Hello, welcome to the Perfect Guard podcast. Uh, my name is Cole. I am a host. Uh, usually I'm joined by our good buddy Andy slash Nerdbane. What do you mean? I'm right here. Oh, you sound identical <laughs> to him. I couldn't tell you apart. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I've been working on my impressions. That yeah, I, It's paying off, for sure. <laughs> but uh, Andy <laughs> is he's out of commission for this week. Maybe next week as well. We'll see. Um, but yeah, he had minor surgery. Everything's okay. Uh, he's good to go. He just uh, can't sit for very long. So um, he's just not able to record. So I brought on uh, Simon, who, if you remember from the deck building Pokemon episode, uh, is our residential super smart professor of Pokemans in the uh, Highland Heights area. Right. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't say super smart, but I do uh, check the box for professor. You do, and uh, congratulations on that, by the way. Hey, it's a it's a work in progress. We're leveling yeah. up. What level are you currently? Right now, I just have my basic skills done uh, for both judge and organizer status. But April eighth, I think I can take my stage one exam for organizer, which is really what I'm going for. Okay. Because um, that'll be a little bit before regionals start, which I would really like to help out at. Gotcha. So I think when that comes closer, I would like to talk about uh, actually that whole process for you. Sure. I think that'd be that'd be pretty interesting to do. Yeah, uh, it, it's definitely interesting for sure. They do it a little bit differently than how other games do it. Uh, but I think the way they do it works pretty well for them. Okay, so that would be another thing to talk about how other games do it too. Because you also are you a, a super judge? Yeah, well? I'm a judge for Dragon Ball Super as well. I haven't okay. had to use that status in a while, but uh, I do have judge status. Do you have it for any other game then, or no? I've looked into it for Magic, but it's not really ever been something that I've needed to do for Magic. Um, I have more knowledge than the average player i would say mm-hmm. but i haven't learned enough to qualify myself to be a judge that's fair i know for sure i haven't <laughs> if there were uh if there was judge status for the neopets trading card game you bet i would have it though oh i don't doubt that at all don't doubt that i would i don't think i'd have judge status for any any game that i play it's uh, okay yeah. Not everybody has to judge. Yeah, yeah. Judging is for for the people who can't play, so it's fine. That's eh, <laughs> a a one way to look at it. I'm kidding. <laughs> I had I judged a Weish Wars. I've judged multiple Weish Wars events, and the only reason I did that is because they didn't have any other judges, and I knew the basics on how to play. So then I was in charge of judging i was not the head judge thank god but like i ended up being like one of the higher ups for that tournament for some reason that was yep that was the thing that sounds fun it was kind of fun actually it was a different a different experience for sure because i got to watch other people play a game that i know nothing about um like especially meta wise and that was when attack on titan was doing really well for that whole i don't know whatever season or whatever they do yeah. Um, so that was actually pretty interesting. You, you got to see a very different crowd of people playing. Um, so that was kind of cool. But we're not here to talk about obscure slash dead slash on the verge of dying trading card games. Well, yeah, well, 
Uh, okay. <laughs> in in a way, we are. Yeah, kind of. Um, I brought you on because uh, in the local Pokemon chat and the Facebook group uh, thing, there's been a lot of talk about some alternate formats because mm-hmm. the current standard for Pokemon, uh, a lot of people aren't a fan of because of the Mew deck. Well, mostly just because of the Fusion Strike Genesect V, I think is probably yeah. the, the worst part about that deck. Um, and so people are looking to play other formats, which in general, I think is a really cool way to keep your interest in the game and still play the game, but maybe just not the one that is the the most popular version. So like, yeah. And I, I think that people are, they have a bit of an aversion to alternative formats just because they think there won't be enough players to play it, or they don't think that they'll be able to get the cards for it or get any Mm -hmm. interest for it in other players. And while that may be true for some situations, there are usually a lot of like simulators out there that let you play some of these more niche formats without you ever having to actually buy any of the cards. So you can like try them out beforehand and then see if they actually vibe with how you want to play. Specifically for Pokemon, there's a wonderful website. It's called TCG1.net. Let me look. It's TCG1.net. Uh, And they have basically a cataloged virtual battle simulator for every format from going back to the start of the game up into current standard. Uh, You can play different eras by world championship cycles. You can play specific formats. um, And they have like all the rules and the interactions hard coded in and they update it when there's any bugs or anything. So you can get like an accurate playing experience. And there's like a lot of online circuits as well for these um, tournaments, for these formats. For Pokemon specifically, there are a couple people that put together tournaments in the community and have like gauntlets almost of formats that are pretty fun. Uh, Mm. I'm in a server for one of them. I haven't gotten to play in any of the events yet just because I'm busy when they do most of the events. But it's really cool to see the people actually get together and play those. So if you're like, curious about trying out any of the formats i'm talking today uh tcg1 is a great resource for trying to play them and then i'm going to be referencing jason klasinski's blog a lot he's a three-time world champion for pokemon he has a blog where he goes through the start of the game all through the different standard formats and then talks about different decks for all the different eras uh cannot recommend it enough it is gorgeous he has it really well designed uh, and you get to see some really cool stuff along the way. So mm. if you're ever curious about any of the stuff that I'm talking about, you want to see it in more information, uh, Jason Klasinski's blog, if you just look it up on Google, like Retro Pokemon Blog Jason, you'll probably be able to find it. His last name's a little bit tougher to spell, and it is used in the title of the blog, so um, I'm uh, not going to try to have you spell that. Yeah, uh, if you just, you can send me the link, and then I'll put it in the yeah. show notes so that people can find sure. it there. Uh, all right. So, speaking of, let's talk about GLC first. Okay. Which is Gym Leader Challenge, right? That's what yeah. That stands GLC for. stands for Gym Leader Challenge, and it's basically Pokemon's sort of version of Commander in Magic, where it's a sixty-card singleton deck. Um, so you you only have like what one of every Pokemon, so like one of each line, mm-hmm. and then one of every trainer like one copy of a trainer 
And Any cloud, right? card that is not a basic energy, you can only play one copy of. That means you can only play one Flaffy, no matter what set it was printed in. One Mareep, no matter what set it was printed in. One Rockets, or not Rockets Admin, one Professor Juniper between like all the different researches. Um, so those rules are all in play. So it's as close to a singleton format as you can play in Pokemon. Okay. Um, I have not played this one. I'm kind of interested in in seeing how this works because the singleton in Pokemon seems really interesting to me. Um, but I had a so the the normal way that I see games go is that you are very much so overloaded on consistency cards in your trainer slots. And even some of the Pokemon lines you're going to play are for consistency purely and not as attackers. Because you can play at most one of each Pokemon in a line, you can't realistically rely on one attacker for the entire game. So you need to play multiple attacking lines that function similarly to each other. Yep. Uh, and then you'll play setup Pokemon that like find you basics or find you trainer cards or find you energy. And then you'll play the usual supporter suites like Marnie and Research. Uh, you get to play Ball Guy because you can find like Ultra Ball, Nest Ball, Quick Ball, Great Ball. Uh, so like you are pretty stock full of consistency cards. And the first couple turns are usually a little bit slower depending on the deck. Just trying to get set up. But the game plays out a lot from the board instead of from the hand, like it does in current Pokemon. So uh, another, uh, a couple of th- key things that we forgot to mention is, uh, you are only one type, right? You can only pick one. You can type. only play one type, and you also cannot play any Pokemon with rule boxes on them. That means no Prism Stars, no Big EXs, no GXs, no V, no V Max. No V Union, nothing that has a rule box in the bottom right hand of the card. Yep, and then this also no goes specs. goes back for expanded format, right? It goes all the way back to original black and white, so it follows the expanded card pool, but not the expanded ban list. Okay, yeah, because it would have to have it. This this is such there's, a different thing. That there's have multiple bands that are different between them because the decks function on different axes. Yeah. Axi, whatever. Yeah, okay. So where do you know where this format originated? Uh Andrew Mahone and Joyfriend, that's his Twitter handle. He's a big time Pokemon player slash streamer. Mm-hmm. Uh he goes to all the regionals and stuff. You might know him from Tricky Gym, that's the YouTube channel he runs. He created this format as a way for him and his friends to like have fun and try out deck building in that regard. So it originally originated there, uh, but then he released it to the community, and most of the discussion for the format actually is done in their Discord. So the format is still pretty much very grassroots. It's not officially sanctioned by Pokemon, and it's still working on pushing itself into the limelight as an alternative format, but it'll probably eventually get there due to the fact that it lets people play the game in a different way than standard. And that's mm-hmm. always something that people gravitate towards. Yeah. Um, I did see that I think um, at a couple of regionals or maybe not regionals, but like bigger Pokemon events that there was a, a going to be a side event 
that was so supported. the side events like that's not sanctioned by pokemon that'll okay. just be something ran there uh that happens with retro formats every year so it's nothing new like people okay. will do that all the time people do it with cubes retro what have you okay so that's fine all right so then we kind of get back to i don't think i like the idea of having most of my deck being consistency cards in theory because it feels really weird um Um, so where i stand on that is that i feel if you're playing a singleton format the nature of the format is to introduce more variance than actual gameplay by playing cards that are not necessarily different cards but are effectively the same but they're different names and you're allowed to play and all these consistency cards realistically most games with your deck have the goal of playing out the same way some people enjoy that that's why tutor cards in commander which is magic's format that's similar are usually so played and expensive that's not Mm -hmm. a play style that i myself enjoy i play for the different experience every game almost aspect of it uh yeah so I'm not necessarily the type of person that enjoys the taking that variance out. It almost feels like you put in the restriction and then people tried to break it right away. So why not? So why even have the restriction in the first place? Almost. I yeah, I understand that because I'm also thinking the difference between magic and Pokemon is there's no evolving pokemon or like evolving cards necessarily in magic like there is in in magic most of your cards are standalones you'll have like two or three card combos but most of your cards are like individually standalone playable they Mm -hmm. might have synergy uh but with pokemon you're if you're playing an evolution you are actively locked into playing the prior evolutions so you can play that card so there's a deck building restriction that goes into place from the start before even getting into the alternative rules of the format yeah, which would mean that you would have to have all those um, consistency cards in your deck in order to even play your deck. Otherwise, you're stuck with mulliganing over and over again for, for uh, I guess, trying basics. to get these basics. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and that feels really bad to me, uh, just in principle. Um, um, yeah, it, it's probably feels bad to you or i but to somebody who wants as close to the modern pokemon experience without trying to play standard that's probably what they're going to want because if you look at it standard is very similar in terms of consistency you have your quick balls your evolution incenses mm-hmm, your Inteleon mm-hmm. lines like there's so much consistency pieces right now in standard and have been that that's what most people are comfortable with so if you try to take that away from them they automatically assume that it's going to be bad or not work out most of the time. Uh, not everybody thinks that, but a lot of people probably aren't comfortable playing without that safety net of sorts. Gotcha. So it becomes the the default for alternative formats that are trying to carve out their niche to fill that like role still of consistency. That makes sense. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah, if if you look at the consistency of current formats compared to past Pokemon formats, even going back to just like original black and white and heart gold soul silver era, like the difference in the deck's consistencies are massively different. Our supporters keep getting more and more powerful, our items keep getting more and more powerful, and our Pokemon keep getting more and more powerful. 
Back mm-hmm. in the day, if you played a card like Hop, where it was just like generic draw three, in many old formats, that card would have been very good. But by modern standards, it's awful. There's a lot of decks in older formats, like an 06 format for Pokemon, where you play like Mary's Request, which is draw two. And if you don't have a stage two Pokemon in play, you draw an additional two. So it's like a semi draw four. It's always a draw four in the decks you play it. Um, and that's like a a staple supporter in that format. So, and then you'll have things like Steven's advice back then, which you could only play if you had less than seven cards in hand and you drew cards equal to the number of cards your Pokemon your opponent controlled. Well, we have Chorus from Black and White where you shuffle your hand into your deck and draw equal to the bench sizes. And when you're playing everything from your hand, Chorus is normally just a better Steven's advice. Right. So there, there's like upsides and downsides to both both formats, but the game as a whole has gotten more and more streamlined. So the consistency pieces that people are used to now aren't what they'll see in other formats. So moving on to other formats, then uh, you're a pretty big proponent for the base Neo, right? Base Neo is really fun. Uh, I think the format's really nostalgic. You get to play a lot of the cards that people remember opening from the first few sets, alongside some of the cards from the early heart or the early gold and silver era, which are the Neo block. That's Neo Genesis, Discovery, Revelation, and Destiny. Before they got into the e-reader cards, uh, Base Neo is really fun. There's a lot of interaction back and forth. The games play out longer. You play from the board instead of from the hand. You're not like holding cards in your hand. Usually you're playing and establishing a board that you can attack with multiple times. There's not as many one shots. There's viable spread decks. There's interaction with your opponent. The format Mm -hmm. has a lot of positives to it. However, there are downsides to it. There's a lot of coin flipping just naturally involved, which adds variance. However, because both players are coin flipping an equal amount, it feels less bad and the coin flips feel more exciting. In the current format, if you lose a coin flip to like a crushing hammer, that sets your entire game plan back. And because everything's so fast, if you like lose out of the starting gate, you're like screwed. Whereas in base Neo, like if you flip tails on one of your like eeks from cleffa like no big deal you just try it next turn mm-hmm. so the that's one of the downsides um another downside is that there's a lower card pool than other formats there's a lot of just like straight up bad and unplayable cards in this era that's true for modern pokemon that, as well yeah i was gonna but, say that's most pokemon in general but like there's some cards that are just like really bad. Um, there are a lot of upsides to the format, like how I talked about. Um, there's some really cool interactions that a lot of people that like learning rules will like, like how metal energies work with self-damaging effects in this era because they're yeah. special metal energies. Um, there's a lot of people that will like how darkness energy works, how chaos gym works. There's a lot of upsides to this format. In, in preparation for this episode, because I know very little about base Neo, sure. um, I was trying to watch some some YouTube videos and trying mm-hmm. to familiarize myself with the format a little bit more. Um, and I'm very happy that I recognized all the cards you just talked about. So 
the research works. Um, but I also like I found a YouTube channel called Drunk Shuckle, Drunk Shuckle, I believe. Okay. And he's got like a, a playlist of like a bunch of different base Neo uh, decks and he kind of cool. goes through them all. Um, and so I was I as I was making dinner, I had that going and I was like, like observing um, passively. Yeah. And it kind of got me interested in in learning some of these older formats um, because I had a lot of the cards that he was talking about um, as a kid, like collecting wise. And I think it'd be really cool to go back and actually play them now that I understand how to play the game. So uh, as soon as I'm able to to get some cards and actually show up at a retro gaming night on Saturday, I would love to actually play and, and learn. Yeah, and Base Neo is actually one of the more affordable retro formats now, I would say. Previously, you had to like buy four Cleffas, which were running about 30 to $40. Uh, but with the Celebrations reprint, they went down to about a dollar a piece. Um, Pokemon awesome. normally does not reprint anything old like that. So a lot of the other Neo cards, Neo era cards, didn't like make up for that drop by rising in price. So you could buy the Cleffas, which were previously like an $150 just to start any deck, and now it's four. So now you can build like a ton of these decks and not put more than like a hundred to two hundred dollars in them. Like I built four decks for it. I'm pretty sure I spent like three hundred bucks total. So like on average seventy-five to a hundred dollars per deck. I can't remember the exact number, but I know it was somewhere around that. There are some cards that are a little bit more expensive, but there's a lot of cards that are just like absolute bulk prices too. So that's and I I'm surprised that anyone is even selling like these old cards like that. I guess they just know how playable they were back then and and keep them on hand. Or a lot of people just like list whatever inventory they have, no matter what. Mm, I guess that's probably not a bad thing to do. I don't know. Either way. So it's it's not hard to get into these older formats and is what we're trying to say, right? Yeah. Um and I know that I don't we're not an official podcast, so we're gonna talk about it here. Um but you um allow proxies at your uh, events that you hold for this or are trying to hold for this at Monster Games in Highland Heights, Kentucky. Yes. Um, so how would one go around doing that? Can you just like print it off on like a printer? Or I thought that you had said that you had them like like not for sale proxies made of like key cards, if I remember correctly. So there are a couple ways you can go about printing off proxies for this. The most easy way to do it is pokemoncards.com pkmncards.com they have high quality images of like pretty much every card across the history of pokemon you can easily like download those images put them into a word document and print them out on your printer after sizing them uh that's a pretty cheap way to do it and then just put them over top of like basic energies in a sleeve and then go ahead and play from there that's what i would recommend anyone that doesn't want to go the more difficult route However, there are printing services you can use. Um, These images are copyrighted, so you can't reuse them for sale in any way, shape, or form. So you have to make sure that they're clearly noted as proxies. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I have a way that I do that. I don't necessarily want to say it on here just in case it gets me in trouble. Um, but I have printed off proxies on cardstock that is similar to the Pokemon cardstock that are very, very clearly proxies. Just because a lot of these formats are unnecessarily cost prohibitive to people trying them out, uh, I would rather be inclusive than exclusive. And that's mm-hmm. always my input with niche formats like this. Like, why would you try to dissuade someone from playing and force them to own the cards when your community is already small as it is? You're just going to turn away one player, and in turn, they might turn away more. Where if you are inclusive in what you allow people to do, you can gather more support and more players. Okay. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And I feel like for most most games, I would say that. I don't think you need that for, like, Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh, but uh, especially like the in the COVID times that we're currently in, um, some of the delays and stuff are a little bit behind. And I do think that uh, if delay or, you know, like shipments are behind, also like prices for some of these cards are out, outrageous. So I do like that uh, if stores will allow proxies for like the first couple of weeks in order for you to like... I mean, I'm just going to say what my opinion are on proxies. If you don't want to play against somebody with proxies, but you'll play against them with a weaker deck, and you are fine playing against somebody with a lower-powered deck because they can't afford it, that's fine. However, I personally am a fan of the game, and I don't care about winning. I care about having a game where both players are playing at the best that they can. I would Mm -hmm. rather people not be gated by how much money they can spend and instead be gated by what their strength as a player is and how good they are as a player. I don't think you learn anything by beating up on a niche tier 3 deck that is missing cards, uh, but playing against a tier 1 deck that's proxied, you do gain information from. Uh, And that's just the way that I feel. I think that proxies are really helpful. I understand why you can't play them in official tournament settings, yeah. However, at local events, if you are unwilling to play against somebody that's using proxies, to me, that tells me that you're worried about losing to them when they're playing at the same level you are. That's a very good point. And that, that's just how I personally feel on it. Not everybody feels the same way. Um, I know that it's a little bit of a radical opinion. And this is coming from somebody that's spent unsurmountable like an uncountable money uh, uncountable amount of money on card games anybody that's seen my collection can say that like they know (laughs) that i spend money on my cards i would rather people play at the best that they can than be gated by how much they can comfortably spend yep okay uh let's kind of switch gears a little bit and let's talk about um what are the four decks that you currently own for uh base neo then you said you had four what are the four? What do they do? So base Neo, I put together four decks. They're decks that I enjoy, but I also wanted to get Pokemon that I enjoyed in the decks as well. I took affordability into account with some of the selections. Um, I wanted to build this really cool, what's it called? Um, a really cool Typhlosion deck. However, I couldn't afford it because the Typhlosions are like 80 bucks a piece. Yeah. And I would just rather not spend that. Um, so I built four decks. The four decks that I built were Dragonite and Dark File Plume, um, Light Golduck and Noctowl, 
Sneasel and Aerodactyl and Wigglytuff and Muck. I've played with a lot of the decks that are in this format. Sneasel is one that you'll see a lot. You'll see a lot of decks playing Metal Energy, like mm-hmm. Metal Chansey, Metal Mewtwo. Um, there's a lot of archetypes that you'll see. A lot of the supporter or a lot of the trainer lineups are similar, but not always. There's some tech cards that pretty much every deck plays that other decks don't. Okay. So if we want to start with. Let's start with the Aerodactyl and Sneasel. Sneasel Aerodactyl, that deck's really good. Um, Sneasel's one of the main attackers that you'll see in this era. Mm-hmm. So one thing you got to keep in mind when thinking about this format is that most Stage 2 Pokemon only have like between 80 to 120 health. The health pools for this format are really, really low. Uh, so keep that in mind while I'm saying these health and damage numbers for output that you'll see. Um, this is the Sneasel from Neo Genesis. Uh, it's the 25th card in the set. It is a 60 health basic. That's really high for a basic because it yeah. doesn't evolve. Most basics in this era have between 30 to 50 health, so 60 health is above average. It has no retreat cost, which you'll see a lot in this format, and that actually comes up. One of the rules in the older Pokemon formats before the Pokemon Company International took over was that you could retreat as many times as you wanted to per turn. So with a free retreat cost, that meant that if you were affected by a special condition, you could retreat out of the active into another Sneasel and then put the one back in that had just attacked. And then you could just do that as many times as you needed to if you needed to like burn cards or whatever. Uh, so free retreat's really good. Another important thing is that it did not have a weakness. I don't know why it was printed what? without a weakness. <laughs> I don't know why it was printed without a weakness, because Sneasel is weak to fighting type. It's a dark Very type. Weak. And it is also an ice type, which is weak to rock, which is also a subset of the fighting type. And fighting. Game. Exactly. And fighting. Yeah. Like <laughs> So the fact that it is not weak to fighting is baffling. So no retreat, no weakness, 60 health means that you are very rarely going to be one-shot due to the number of damage that these decks in this format are capable of putting out. Sneasel has a really good first attack. It's Fury Swipes. For a single colorless, you flip three coins and deal 10 damage times the number of heads. That means on average you're doing about 10 to 20 damage, or on average about 20 damage per attack. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's pretty solid. It gets you chip damage in, and it really sets up your next attack, which for double darkness energies... You deal 20 damage for flipping a coin for each of your Pokemon in play that is heads. So if you have six Pokemon, you flip six coins. If half of them are heads, that's three. So three times 20 is 60. That knocks out opposing Sneasels. Mm -hmm. And an important thing about darkness energy in this format is it is a special energy. When it's attached to a Pokemon, that Pokemon's attacks deal an additional 10 damage to the opponent. So if you have two darkness energies, you're dealing an extra 20 damage with your attacks. Oh, so on 80. average, you're hitting 80 damage, which one-shots pretty much everything. Sneasel's a very fast deck to get set up, uh, and if it can get up set up, like, if it can get itself set up before you can, like, disrupt it, you are probably going to lose. It is, like, the epitome of a tempo deck in this format. So Sneasel's the main attacker. You'll see him in a lot of decks. He gets paired with Pichu a lot, Noctowl. There's a lot of different things that you'll pair Sneasel with just because the package to play it is so small. 
Uh, you, in this version, the Sneasel Aerodactyl version, you put, excuse me, you play the Aerodactyl from Fossil, which has a Pokemon power that says no more evolution cards can be played. Stops oh, working when he's no. asleep, confused, or paralyzed. When nobody can play their evolutions, and a lot of decks in this format are based around evolving to a stage one, that's really powerful. Now, yeah. Aerodactyl itself has to evolve from a mysterious fossil, uh, but there is a card in this format. It's called Fossil Egg, where it's a trainer card. You flip a coin. If it's heads, you put your uh, Aerodactyl, or a card that evolves from mysterious fossil, so Kabuto or Kabu or Omanite. Um, you either search your deck or your hand and put it directly into play. So potentially turn one going first, you can set up an evolution lock before your opponent has a chance to even evolve their first Pokemon. There are ways to get around that. Um, Buff is a card in this format. It has a Pokemon power that once per turn, you pick a bench Pokemon of your opponents uh, and you turn off that Pokemon power. So decks that are super reliant on their evolutions will normally play one Buff or another way to get rid of the Poke power or deal with the Aerodactyl because it only has 60 health. Dang. Yeah, uh, so when I was like doing my very limited amount of research, the, the game definitely, or the, the format definitely feels like there's a lot of checks and balances for different decks and different cards, Yeah, and they, they're all like pretty splashable in between, which I think is a, a, a real strong suit for this format. Yeah, there there's definitely a lot of checks that you can play in pretty much every deck. If your deck hard loses to something, there's usually something you can play in it that lets you counteract that. Which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that's like the core of the Sneasel Aerodactyl deck. You get an Aerodactyl out early so your opponent can't evolve, and you take advantage of that tempo swing with your Sneasels who start to easily abuse the fact that they don't have any evolutions out. Uh, every base Neo deck you're going to see is playing for Cleffa. This is a Cleffa. So one thing that is important about the base Neo format is baby Pokemon exist and they're very good. So baby Pokemon are basics. You play them just like a basic, um, but you do not evolve them in most cases. You just play them as their baby. There's a rule for babies where it says if this baby is your active Pokemon and your opponent tries to attack, your opponent flips a coin before doing anything else required to attack. And if it's tails, the attack fails and nothing else happens. So your opponent, when facing against a baby in the active, is always taking a 50-50 on if their attack will even go through. That means that baby Pokemon will often be used in the front as almost like a stalling tactic. Uh -huh. Because 30 damage, you won't be able to hit in the early turns. And it'll let you set up your other Pokemon. Another important thing about Cleffa is Cleffa, for a single colorless energy, has an attack called Eek, where you shuffle your hand into your deck and then draw seven cards. That lets you refresh your hand multiple Holy times God. after playing cards out of it. And in this format, there's a lot of hand attack cards in the form of Rocket's Sneak Attack and Blast that Cleffa lets you recover after you have been gotten rid of like cards in your hand. So Cleffa is going to be a four of in every deck. If you're not playing four Cleffa, your deck is actually suboptimal, and you need to fit a fourth in. Dang, Cleffa's really good. I knew like Cleffa was good in that format, but I didn't realize how good it was. 
it's the most iconic card of the format. Cleffa, yeah. Sneasel, and Slowking are the ones you'll see people talk about the most. Uh, some people will bring up Feraligator. This was not the format that Feraligator was dominant in. That was the next format after they rotated some cards out. Um, but you will pretty much hear people talk about Sneasel and Cleffa and... Um, I've heard Blaine's Charmander before. So that, that is one. a deck, but it's not like a. It doesn't lend itself to multiple archetypes. Where Sneasel makes ah, up probably gotcha. a good quarter of the decks and Cleffas gotcha. and everything. Okay. Are there any other like trainers that are like super? So iconic? pretty much every deck is going to end up playing some number of Focus Bands. Focus Band says that. Is Focus Band, right? Yeah, Focus Band. If a Pokemon Focus Band is attached to it would be knocked out by an attack, you flip a coin. If heads, it is not knocked out, and it gets 10 health left instead. That means that you can live through one-shots and potentially live an extra turn after your opponent knocks you out. Your Pokemon can have 20 health left or even 10 health left with a Focus Band, um, and they still have to roll if they would want to knock it out. So that means your Pokemon can live. You'll be playing that in pretty much every deck. Professor Oak you'll see in every deck too, pretty much, as well as Professor Elm. One thing that people don't know about these older formats is the card type supporter or the subtype supporter did not exist at the time. So right, they yeah. were just trainers, which meant that they could be used as many times as they wanted per turn. And Professor Oak was just discard your hand, then draw seven cards. There was no limitation on that, so you could play as many as you want. However, uh, this format is really resource-based, and I would say probably about 10 to 20% of your games are going to end with like five or less cards in deck, maybe more, yeah. uh, more percentage of games. I've lost myself due to decking out. I've decked out my opponents before. So not just willy-nilly discarding your hand with Oak is a really important skill of this format, and that's why some decks will play more copies of Professor Elm Professor Elm is similar. You shuffle your hand into your deck and then draw seven cards. You can't play any more trainer cards this turn. Some people call him the original supporter because you couldn't play any more trainers. Um, gotcha, so yeah. Elm will see play in a lot of decks alongside Professor Oak. Um, another card you'll see is Item Finder and Computer Search. Computer Search is a discard two cards from your hand. Find any card from your deck. Usually it feels wrong to discard certain cards from your hand, so it's not always played. If you had that card in the current format, uh, sometimes you do, because they made it an ace spec in black and white, Yeah. Uh, and it was limited to one per deck. It would be really good right now, but back then it was pretty balanced, actually. Um, item finder is similar. You discard two, but then you add a trainer from your discard to your hand. So it lets you reuse cards that you normally wouldn't have multiple times in a game. Mm-hmm. One last card you'll see in pretty much, or two other cards you'll see in pretty much every other deck is Gust of Wind, which is just a boss's orders if you play yeah. right now. You choose a bench Pokemon and switch it with the active. And then Super Energy Removal, which is discard an energy attached to one of your own Pokemon, and then discard two energies attached to one of your opponent's Pokemon. Uh, uh, that lets you keep up on tempo, and if your Pokemon, if they're trying to set up an attack that requires multiple energy, Super energy removal helps you get rid of that energy so you can stall them out longer. 
And this format uses a lot of special energies, correct? There's a lot of special energies in this format. You'll see a lot of basics, but there's a lot of special energies. Like I mentioned earlier, darkness energy, you'll see a lot. Metal energy, you'll see a lot. The two do have downsides, though, because darkness and metal were first introduced in this format because they didn't exist in the last one. Mm -hmm. Darkness energy, like I said, if it's attached to a Pokemon, it deals an extra 10 damage to the defending Pokemon, but at the end of every turn, you put a damage counter on it. Unless it is dark type or has dark in its name, that means that not everything can abuse it. And metal energy says that the Pokemon this is attached to takes 10 less damage, but if it is not a metal Pokemon, the Pokemon that it is attached to deals 10 less damage. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the way that that works with self-damaging effects is say we'll take a Pokemon like Chansey. I believe its attack double edge does 80 damage to itself. Let me check. Dang. Double edge for two or for four colorless energy, it does 80 damage, and it says Chansey does 80 damage to itself. So if we put a metal energy on it, the Chansey, because it is not a metal type, will only deal 70 damage with its attack, because it'll be reduced by 10. And then the second part of the attack says Chansey does 80 damage to itself. Well, you have a metal energy attached, so you take 10 less damage. But because you're not a metal type, you also deal 10 less damage. So that's 80 minus 10 minus 10. You're only dealing 60 to yourself. So there's a lot of decks that have self-damaging effects that you will abuse with metal energy because you take effectively 20 less damage from self-damaging effects in this format at the cost of just dealing 10 less. So that made a lot of decks become more viable or just good in the first place. Um, that Those are like the two biggest ones you'll see. You'll see double colorless energy a lot. It just attaches, provides two colorless. You've probably mm -hmm. seen it if you've played Pokemon in the past five oh, years. Yeah. Um, Recycle energy is another one that you'll see. Recycle energy says that if it is discarded from the field of play, so if it's attached to a Pokemon, if it's put into your discard pile from play, you return it to your hand. That means if you use it to pay for a treat cost or the attack of, like, the cost of an attack to discard an energy, or for super energy removal where you have to discard an energy, it'll just go back to your hand. That is really important for letting you keep the energy over time, um, because sometimes you'll run out or low on energy, and recycle energy will let you keep attacking. Okay. I think I, I think I did actually own Recycle Energy at one point. Yeah, they were uncommons, I believe. No, yeah. they were rares. They were rares. Yeah, I think I did. There, there were a couple of those, um, those special energies where I owned. So it makes it feel good that uh, that I had some. They're a very good card. Most decks will play at least two. Yeah. Um, was there any other, uh, any other like shining? aspects of this format that you uh that you really enjoy the games feel back and forth like i said the games go super long i've mounted comebacks where my opponents had one or two prizes left and i've had five and i've won and i've had the same thing happen in reverse to me uh you normally are never completely out of a game there's lots of ways to interact with your opponent's setup plans mm -hmm. while also advancing your own you can't just sit and solitaire like a lot of decks can nowadays. You have to actually stop what your opponent's doing, or you have the option to. 
I think that this format is pretty well balanced. Its only downside is that it doesn't really have strong comeback mechanics besides the coin flipping. And the coin flipping as a whole can turn some people off to it. And sometimes it's frustrating, but it happens so much over the course of the game that it almost becomes normalized. Gotcha. Uh, I don't have an issue with the format for the most part. I think it's really fun. I think there's better formats, though. Um, I really like 2006 format. That's one that's super popular with players. What's... Probably the most popular Pokemon retro format. Um, What's that one? So it's in the middle of Ruby Sapphire era. I believe it goes from Hidden Legends up to... It goes from Deoxys, I believe. Let me pull up the actual era that it comes from. Because I am all about that Ruby Sapphire Emerald era. Yeah, so Ruby Sapphire through Power Keepers is my favorite format. Um, but some people don't like it because it wasn't an actual format that was played in the U.S. However, it was in Japan. Okay, so 06 is EX Hidden Legends, EX Fire Red and Leaf Green, EX Team Rocker Returns. Deoxys, Emerald, Unseen Forces, Delta Species, Legend Maker, Holland Phantoms. Uh, there is a large variety in decks you can play. It introduced the Holland engine. There's comeback mechanics. There's there's just like such a variety of decks and playstyles and interaction and ways to counteract popular playstyles. That 06 is really popular. I think that 06 is cool. However, it only has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 of the 15 legal formats from Ruby Sapphire era. It leaves out Ruby Sapphire, Sandstorm, Dragon, Magma, and Aqua. And it also leaves out Crystal Guardians, Dragon Frontiers, and Power Keeper. So it actually leaves out 7. Uh, and there's a lot of cool cards in those 7 that I quite enjoy myself. Um, so. I just think that people would like them if they gave them a shot. But not everybody wants to because it wasn't an official Nintendo format in the States. Mm. Um, I, I think that format is a lot stronger than Base Neo. And it feels like it feels like the modern card game enough, but it also feels more balanced. And you can take off turns. I don't know. It's hard to explain without going into a lot more detail, which hopefully I'll be able to do eventually. Yeah, I think definitely. Because uh, now I want to know all about that 06 format. 06 <sighs> is really fun. That's the, right. that's the one that you'll see people play the most. All right. So I think I think I need to, to build me a base Neo deck, and then I will work towards an 06 deck, I think is what what we'll do the cool thing about 06 is a lot of the decks can be adapted to the ruby sapphire through power keepers format um a lot of the decks are still viable they just have like either upgrades or more counters in ruby sapphire era so you get to play with more decks overall sounds like a good thing to me yeah for sure anytime that there's variety in deck choices is a great time right Okay, um, we've been talking for 45 minutes. Can you believe that? That's how it be sometimes. I talk a lot. Yeah, hey, I'm all here for it. Uh, this is very illuminating and honestly does make me very excited to play some of these older formats that I missed out on. Um, 
And yeah, that's about all I have to say. Do you have uh, any parting remarks on retro formats in general or alternate formats? Just give them a chance if you haven't yet. Uh, it's worth it to at least try it out for a few games and see if it's something you're interested in. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, especially if you've got friends who have got extra decks, absolutely borrow one of theirs uh, and, and you'll have a blast playing it just because you're playing the game that you love. Anyway, so hard to go wrong on that. All right. Um, I'm going to close out real quick. Uh, if you want to give our perfect guard podcast a review on spotify we now uh spotify does now allow uh star reviews so a good old five star would really mean a lot and help other people find our podcast uh also uh if you play vanguard and you want some really cool uh dice to help track your uh your power your crits your over triggers and all that kind of stuff you go to procyongaming.com uh p-r-o-c-y-o-n gaming.com uh, you'll be able to find that Etsy store and you'll be able to purchase these super cool uh, dice. Uh, if you use code DRIVECHECK, all in word at checkout, you save 10% off your order. And that little bit helps us uh, keep doing what we're doing because hosting fees are expensive. Also, speaking of hosting fees, if you want to give uh, the DriveCheck network, I guess we're a network now, um, a couple dollars to help with the hosting fees, that's patreon.com slash DriveCheck. Uh, $2 a month really goes a long way. Um, and if you want to send an angry email, that's drivecheckpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I am, well, the Twitter for both drivecheck and perfect guard is drive underscore check. And I personally am at Cole underscore McCune, C O L E underscore M C C O N E. And Simon, where can they find you if they would, if you would like to be found? Uh, I think my Twitter is scoliosis, Steve. I think yeah. it is. <laughs> you can also add me on Facebook if you can find me. I always accept friend requests from people that I tangentially know. Um, you can also try to find me on Discord. That's a little bit more challenging. Yeah, because you're just Simon, and there's a lot That's of Simon. true. But if you know how to do uh, Google Foo or Discord Foo or whatever you want to call Internet Kung Fu, you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> i got the covid cough oh my <clears throat> all right uh thank you for listening to this week's that's the wrong podcast ending oh god um uh, we'll be back uh next week with uh, uh i think next week we're going to talk about the flesh and blood bands that just happened so Ooh, what uh, they banned uh they banned um oh my god the rune blade uh weapon uh, How expensive was it? I don't think it was expensive, uh, thankfully. Duskblade, I think is what it's called. Uh, then they also banned Ball Lightning, which was like a common. It was really good. Um, and then they eroded one of the heroes, one of the best heroes in the game. They eroded her. Uh, functioning, and they're going to reprint the functioning eroded as well. So uh, what? there's a lot going on in that, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. So uh, we'll see you guys. Later. Adios.